Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman, and I'm a five-board accredited life coach, and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week we are talking about infidelity, otherwise known as cheating. When it comes to cheating, there are a number of different definitions as to what is classed as cheating. And to be honest, I don't think there is one right answer. I think cheating or infidelity is essentially a crossing of boundaries and each relationship, each couple, each person will have different boundaries and therefore what is classed as cheating will differ from person to person. In the same way some people would be hurt by some things and another person wouldn't care at all. An example of this is some people class watching porn as cheating, others do not. If it's your relationship, you get to define the parameters, you get to define the limits and you get to define the boundaries. In this episode, I won't be focusing on what is actually termed as cheating and I'm more so focused on and more interested in the feelings it causes within you because that's the actual problem that needs to be solved. I do think that it is interesting as a conversation though. For me personally, I don't class anything to do with porn as cheating. I also don't find flirting with other people cheating or finding someone else attractive is cheating. I don't know how we have this illusion that you suddenly get into a relationship and suddenly all these blinders come on and you aren't turned on by any other person in the world. To me, that is hugely unrealistic. I actually find it more attractive that someone I'm with is attracted to other people and continue to choose to be with me every day and choose to be with me even though there are other attractive people in the world that exist. But that may be because I grew up in a family where this was all quite normalised. Growing up, I overheard conversations where my mum would comment on a guy being attractive or my dad would say someone was pretty and neither of them would ever really be threatened by it and a lot of the time they would actually end up agreeing with each other. And they just chat about it normally, which I think is so healthy and it's how I've always been. I remember a past boyfriend finding someone attractive and being really embarrassed to tell me and then being really apologetic about it because he was really worried it would affect me or upset me in some way. And as much as I really appreciated him caring about my feelings, my actual response was something along the lines of, you can be attracted to whoever you like coming home with me though. So my line of where I draw the boundary between cheating and not cheating is acting on that attraction. 
And I think it would hurt most for me if it was an emotional thing. So I don't know whether I would class it as cheating, but I would think there is something wrong in the relationship. And I would be hurt by the fact that a partner is sharing his worries and concerns and vulnerabilities with someone else who isn't me. And I would question why he didn't feel comfortable sharing that with me. And there would be an element of hurt and disappointment there. I am not of the belief that you need to share everything with your partner because, again, boundaries. But, like, if you lost your job and you don't tell me or you told me but you were confiding in someone else about the feelings that that brought up, then I would question if there is enough trust in the relationship. But then it would also be a case of, did they feel more comfortable talking to that person? It's the decision between, is there a reason they aren't talking to you or is there just someone they would prefer to talk to? As an example, I take a lot of my own problems to my life coach instead of a partner. When I am in a relationship, it's not that I don't trust my partner, it's that I don't need to talk about it twice. But if my life coach wasn't free and I hadn't been able to see her, then my partner would be a great second choice. If you're looking for black and white answers on this, this is not the episode for you. To be honest, it's not the podcast for you because, as I say quite a lot, I love nuance, I love context, and I do believe it is very important. So if you've listened to other episodes, you know I don't like painting things with a big brush. Is that even the saying? No, I don't like sweeping generalisations. <laughs> and phrases like, all cheaters have commitment issues don't help anyone. And you need to be able to get into the context to be able to make individual decisions. So let's listen to a few individual examples to get into those details. Hi Michelle, my name's Francesca and my question for you is regarding... Um, codependency, cheating and intuition I think. So my situation is that I've been with the same person for four years in a relationship now and about two years ago I found out that he cheated on me multiple times, multiple people Um, and as soon as I found out I just knew I had my intuition then. I knew that it would never work and I had to leave and the trust was broken. Um, but somehow I managed to convince myself that having a subpar love where he had, you know, everything else that I wanted in a partner, but that one thing, which is obviously really important, um, being able to, you know, be loyal and honest. Um, I, I just thought, well, it's fine my family love him, my friends love him, we have all these lovely memories, he knows me so well, he makes me laugh, etc, etc, I can deal with it, it's, it's fine, it's probably about as good as I can get, um, and that was fear talking, and I listened, so over the last two years, I've, I've undenied about leaving him, I've rehearsed the I'm leaving you speech on my way home from work, got in, and just not, been able to act I've been completely stifled and numb to it um and it's it's exhausted me it's it's really affected every aspect of my life um my work my brain feels like mud a lot of the time just because I've never managed to stop thinking about all this um my friendships have been affected because of the friends I have told I've shied away from them I've removed myself from them a bit because of embarrassment that you know, they told me to leave him and I haven't. So my question is, how do I learn to listen to myself again? Um, Any advice that I've had, I I know that it's right. I just feel so stuck and 
unable to move out of this situation and actually listen to myself and act on it. So I'm wondering how you advise that I do that. Thank you. By the way, I've been loving the podcast so much. Thank you for everything. It's been so insightful. Bye. Hey, Francesca, I love the honesty in your voice note and I love how self-aware you are because even in the first half of the voice note while you were talking, my brain was going, this is fear talking. And then you said it yourself. So first of all, it's not embarrassing to stay in a relationship if you don't feel ready to leave. Your friends, your family can judge, but ultimately they aren't in the position you are. And we never really talk about the fact that sometimes our problems are serving us and that we need to stay in problems because sometimes we benefit from them too greatly to make the right decision. And I say right in inverted commas because right and wrong is a judgment. How you do this is you do it scared, you do it impulsively because you know it's actually not impulsive at all. But I say impulsively because it's the equivalent of sending an email and then hiding your laptop or sending a text and then hiding your phone, which I do all the time. Obviously, this is a four-year relationship. You are not going to end it in either of those ways. But have a conversation in person impulsively. Pick a date and stick to that date. That is the date you are having the conversation. No ifs, no buts, no backing out. It's happening. And if you listened to my podcast last week, this is part of having self-worth. This is the first piece of the puzzle, following through with what you say you're going to do. Stop waiting until you are not scared. You will always be scared. The goal is to not have fear. The goal is to move forward with that fear anyway. You will still be scared and trying to fix that fear is actually just a delay tactic. Stop waiting for this to be easier because it will only be harder the longer you are with him. As Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things and you can, you can do hard things. The reason you are saying you keep getting advice and nothing really helps is because you don't need advice. You already know what you need to do and you are just not doing it. You're waiting for someone to give you a quick fix or make it easier for you or give you permission in order to not feel any negative feelings and you are not going to get that permission. That is an illusion and it's never going to happen. So rip the band-aid off, get it done. When you said you have this intuition in you and you listen to the fear, it's so important you know the difference between these two voices. So make this the turning point in your life where you no longer listen to that fear and you start trusting your intuition. It's taken enough years from you and I know you want a solution to make this easier, but actually all you need is tough love and someone to tell you that you need to get to work. You can call it codependency, you can call it whatever you like, but the truth is you don't need words from me. You don't need advice from your friends and there is nothing anyone is going to say to make you do what needs to be done because no one can do this for you. I think something that could help is if you stop telling yourself stories because clearly that's what you've been using to talk yourself out of, whether you are telling yourself that you'll hurt him or that you will never find another person who your friends and family likes. Stop indulging these stories. He is responsible for his feelings. You are responsible for yours and whatever hurt you cause, it is his responsibility to heal it. And if you can't end the relationship for yourself, End it for him because it's really not fair for him to keep him in a relationship that you know you should have ended two years ago. Come on, no one told you life was going to be easy. Get it done. So I'm sending you as much power as I can muster. Embody the most powerful part of you. You've got this. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. In this week's Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking about Desperate Housewives. Every week I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV and we use it as an opportunity to improve our own communication. This is actually old school. I'm actually re-watching it from the beginning and the first time I watched Grey's Anatomy, I think I was around 11 years old. And I'm kind of loving it because I'm definitely in a different headspace to what I was when I was watching it at 11 years old. I'm actually surprised I could understand most of it um, with such a young mind. But weirdly, I'm finding it so scary. So I have no clue how I watched it at 11. So I wanted to talk about the scene in season one where Lynette is talking about how she is coping as a mother and how she compares herself to Brie, who has the perfect kids and is the perfect housewives and hosts the perfect dinners where nothing goes wrong and she's trying to keep up with her but she just can't. Lynette used to work a really high powered job so when she says that to her husband and her husband brings over her colleagues she said she's reminded of a world where she was the winner and people used to have to keep up with her and it's at this point that the husband goes whoa whoa, whoa, I thought you threw a great dinner party you were a great host which is funny because that might be what he thought but it's clear he's never said it before until they were having an argument and sometimes all a partner needs to be told is that you see the effort, you see the energy that they're making and the energy they put in and that you appreciate what they do. But I think this is also a classic situation of comparing yourself to others and how much that doesn't serve a purpose. 
We always have this perception that there is better and there is worse. And on the surface, yes, Brie looks like she is a better mother because her children behave better and are more orderly. But her children also can't express their emotions. They don't trust her. They don't speak to her honestly. And even her son doesn't show remorse at doing anything wrong because there are no emotions in this family. So yes, their clothes are neater. Their clothes are tidier. They say please and thank you. They don't throw toys around but they do struggle more in terms of emotions. The comparison is pointless also because their contexts are different. Whether it's that their strengths are different, as Lynette said, her strength was the workplace, and Brie has always been good at order and organisation, but also the contexts are different. Brie has two kids, Lynette has four, Lynette has twins, so that's a different age, and Brie's kids are much older, so you're comparing things that don't even match up. And it's not like for like. There are different situations and in order to compare yourself to someone else, you're also completely ripping it out of context. So who knows, Brie could have struggled the same amount at the age that Lynette is parenting at the moment. Towards the end of the episode, Brie reveals that when her kids were younger, she also struggled, but she hid it. And so you don't know what's going on under the surface and comparing yourself isn't solving the problem because the functional conversation that isn't being had here is that whatever is happening for Lynette isn't working. She needs a solution because she is not coping. The fact someone else would be able to cope in the same situation is irrelevant. It doesn't stop her from not being able to cope. It doesn't change her situation and we all have different abilities and it doesn't mean one person is less and one person is more because again, we all have different skills. So if my wife said this phrase, instead of getting defensive and saying, well, you threw a great dinner, I would actually say, what can we do to help you? What can we do in order to get you some help? What can we do so you don't feel like this? Can I do something personally to help or can we get someone else to help you? That would be working as a team to solve the situation. Lynette and Tom are actually my favourite couple on Desperate Housewives, but they do fluctuate between good communication and bad communication, like all relationships. Okay, on to the next question. Hi, Michelle, my name is Katerina. I was listening to a song by Anne-Marie called The Alarm, I think, and there is a line that says something along the lines of once a cheat, always a cheetah. And it never happened to me or I never did it to somebody else. And I don't think that I'm the one to judge here. So that's not my, why I'm asking. But I got curious. Is it true, basically? Is there some studies or something in the life coaching or psychology that says that? Or is it just people for some reason decided like I know that people can change and grow and learn but is there some truth to this scientifically to this line that once a cheat always a cheater or is it just people's opinion thank you Hey Katerina, so the classic line, once a cheater, always a cheater, it's actually more than just in one song. It's a phrase that I think a lot of people are haunted by, whether that's because you've been cheated on or you were the cheater yourself. Here's the thing, as I said before, I don't like black and white statements. The statement basically follows the idea that humans are repetitive creatures. We repeat behaviours a lot. And when someone has a pattern, the likelihood they will repeat the pattern 
is greater than the likelihood that they won't repeat the pattern because the majority of humans do not work on themselves. The majority of humans are not interested in personal development and the majority of humans have no interest in understanding why they do something, let alone the hard work of unpicking that and learning to do better. Therapy, life coaching, work on yourself, whatever you want to call it, changing your patterns is really fucking hard. And anyone listening to this podcast will likely know that because obviously my audience is different from the norm. As a generalisation, the majority of my audience are people who aren't ashamed to be seen reading a self-help book, are constantly working on themselves and growing in ways that serve them. It's why you follow me, it's why you listen to me. Therefore, whilst I acknowledge the majority does exist, I also acknowledge there is a portion of the world who learns from the mistakes, they grow and they change. As you were talking, you actually reminded me of one of my best friends who, at the time, we'd been friends for about six months. It was quite a new friendship when this happened. And I actually remember the exact moment he told me uh, he cheated on his girlfriend. We were on a bus and on the way to university when I asked him how he was and he just said, pretty shit, my ex-girlfriend just found out I cheated on her. And I was so in my own feelings and it was because at the time in my life I used to say cheating is the worst thing anyone could do to another person. I was very black and white about it at 18 years old and I don't know why because it's not like I'd ever been cheated on or even knew someone who'd been cheated on but I was very adamant about this. I was very focused on the idea that if you love someone consciously that hurt, that betrayal must be the greatest pain. And although now 10 years on, I do know it's more complicated than that. And also that there is an element of two parts that were involved in this. Back then at 18, the words that came out of my mouth were, you've just lost all my respect. I do not recommend this in any way. This is not a functional conversation. When someone is in their feelings and telling you something vulnerable, do not make the conversation about you. But I was 18, so I did. And we continued talking and he said he had already learned his lesson. He'd already knew he wasn't going to cheat again. And he knew that it was his problem and it was nothing to do with her. He knew it was his issue. He knew why he did it. And it had nothing to do with any part of her in the relationship. And more so to do with his relationship with his own parents. The reason why I'm sharing this is because he truly has never cheated again. He did it once. He learned his lesson. Recognised the pain it caused in another person realise there are better ways to work through this and he personally did not want to go through it again and then on top of that the pain that he inflicted on another person he recognised that and never wanted to create that same pain in anyone else. So do I believe people change? Yes, I wouldn't be a life coach if I didn't. Do I think every cheater changes and takes accountability? No. Do I think there are clear warning signs and red flags and things that you can detect whether someone is being serious about changing? Or being different? Yes, I think when a person cheats, you know whether they'll do it again or are truly sorry. I think sometimes the receiving party isn't ready to face the truth, and I do believe each example of cheating differs. There is usually something in the relationship, though, that has been wrong for a while and likely is going ignored. And there are warning signs that your partner was not a person to trust or that you ignored that. This is why black and white statements like once a cheater, always a cheater doesn't take any of this into account and more so it's not helpful. So for example, if a new partner of mine told me they had cheated previously, I would have a long conversation with them and ask them a lot of questions about it to gauge whether it's something they've learnt from. Questions like, 
what was it like to tell her or did you immediately know you were going to tell her reveal these things but I personally wouldn't end it then because once a cheater always a cheater instead I would have that conversation understand the specific context and even if that person did end up cheating on me I also wouldn't revert back to that phrase because I would know I had checked it out myself and that even though it's clearly their go-to coping mechanism that the cause was not the same In that conversation, I would also ask, what's going to be different this time? What's going to be different this time if you feel that urge to cheat? And I would also rather someone tell me, hey, I'm feeling that urge to run away from this relationship and I want to sabotage and cheat right now, but can we talk about it? Then obviously actually acting on their feelings. So it's about self-awareness in a person and also being accountable enough to know just because you have an urge to do something doesn't mean you do it. So I hope those answers help your question. And as a PS, I strongly suggest not taking life advice from songs because whilst they are beautiful to evoke emotions, a lot of lyrics actually don't have very positive or helpful beliefs about love and functional communication. This week's three quick tips are on how to stay in a relationship after cheating. I am not pushing you either way, but for those of you who have decided to stay, here is how to heal. Number one, recognise that it isn't an indication of your worth. As much as two people play a part in a romantic relationship, taking their actions to mean that you are not good enough or not valuable or not worthy is just hurting yourself. Make it about the dissatisfaction in the relationship, not about anything inherently wrong with you. Regardless of any dissatisfaction in a relationship, there were other options to communicate to heal that, and therefore it's really not about you. Number two, you are allowed to bring it up more than once. If you decide to stay in the relationship, this will be a continuous conversation. You don't have one conversation and then you are never allowed to discuss it again. If your partner is truly sorry, they will work to heal this with you and allow for your feelings to arise as many times as is necessary. Do not bring it up in a way to hurt them or as a punishment, but if your feelings are truly arising, then work through it together. Use it as a chance to bond and heal this broken trust. Number three, you are playing the long game. The healing won't be immediate and nor will the rebuilding of trust. You need to find new and interesting ways to rebuild the trust. You need to evaluate your relationship and notice what's been broken by the act of indiscretion and then work to rebuild it. It will take effort, it will take time, putting that extra energy in. But to be honest, that energy should have probably been there in the first place before the cheating happened. Hi Michelle. So I absolutely love your podcast. Um, and I've just finished, well, recently finished reading your book, The Joy of Being Selfish as well. And I am working on setting boundaries and things like that. But my question about infidelity is my ex-partner cheated on me throughout our entire relationship. We were together 10 years, got married, had a child, everything. Um, and obviously I'm aware that I let him cheat on me by not leaving the first time I found out. But obviously, eventually I did leave. And the partner I've got now has never cheated on anyone. He's not really the type to cheat on anyone. But I still get fearful sometimes that he's going to cheat on me just because it's what I had for 10 years. I was just wondering if you've got any like advice on how to overcome that, basically, because... 
so he doesn't text me back for a day because he's he's busy um doing other things because he's he's got like all these projects and stuff on the go so like deep down I know that he's busy but in my head I'm always like but what if he's not what if he's with another woman and obviously I just want to know if you if you have any suggestions basically on changing the way I feel about that because like not based on what I'm feeling now on my past experiences thank you hey so what you're going through is really understandable and makes so much sense given your past and your past experiences that will have challenged your sense of safety and security and so likely you have a wound around it I've just realised I've used the word wound a lot of times in this podcast but never truly explained what a wound is. So we all have wounds. It's those moments in life where you feel like you're reacting in a larger way than usual or in a greater way that someone else would because of your past. When you heal that wound, it becomes a scar and a scar doesn't hurt in the same way a wound does. And most importantly, a scar doesn't reopen in the same way a wound does. So for example, I used to have a person in my life who used to always call me dramatic whenever we got into fights as a way to invalidate me. So even if one of my friends made a joke about it and called me dramatic as a Leo or, I don't know, make some joke about it, that does open up that wound for me because of my past. And if I wasn't self-aware, then it would lead me to yelling or screaming or crying or having some larger reaction and leaving that friend confused as to what they said that led to such a big emotion. Because I am self-aware and because I have healed it, when people say that word now, I do still feel a small twinge and it might mean I have to put my hand on my heart because my body will still react to it and my heart rate will go up, but I don't have this knee-jerk reaction to defend myself or this overwhelm of emotion. In your case, the wound is around safety, security and potentially trust in a relationship. And how you work with this is twofold. There is stuff you can do and there's also stuff your partner can do. So asking for what you need is a really key part of that. And I know some people listening to this will be surprised that a strong, independent person like myself is suggesting a partner is involved in this. But it can be really healing to involve your partner. And sometimes when you heal something fully by yourself, you almost accidentally shut your partner out. Here's the thing, we all go into relationships with wounds. Some people call it baggage. I don't like that term because it just has such a negative connotation and energy around it. So for me, I call it wounds. But we all go into a relationship with wounds. Some people's wounds flare up around insecurity. Some people flare up around trust. And so part of a relationship is actually being able to communicate that and asking for what you need with no judgment. So let's start with the inner work you need to do. You said you need to let him cheat and the way you phrased it makes me think that you've got a good balance with this but I do want to double check that you aren't blaming yourself. There is no shame in staying with a partner who cheats at all and sometimes that can be the right decision but in those situations the partner needs to be willing to change and make a promise that it won't happen again. Since you said it happened repeatedly, I want you to go into yourself and have a proper conversation with yourself back then and ask yourself why you stayed, really honestly. Was it that you didn't believe you deserved better? Did you truly think he was going to change or were you just too scared to be alone? Have that conversation between the current you who knows all that you know now and the old you who didn't have that information at the time. 
And if I just put myself into your shoes, I can imagine the conversation going something a little like, I was just really scared. And the current you saying something like, I know you are scared. It's okay that you're scared. It's okay that you didn't feel like you were the right place or the right time to make the decision to leave. This is about teaching yourself self-compassion and making sure there is no part of you that self-blames. Yes, you can be accountable. Yes, you should be accountable. But you made a mistake. You learned your lesson. You forgave yourself. And do spend some time properly forgiving yourself, putting yourself in the shoes of old you and knowing you made the best choice you could with the knowledge and experiences that you had at the time. Now, in terms of your partner, I would just sit him down and say, you know how my ex cheated on me? It means I might just need a little bit more reassurance than another person. I know you would never cheat on me and this isn't about you at all. This is all my stuff and about me. So when you go out and don't text me, it does flare it up in me. I'm working on it and I'm healing it within me. So that part of me no longer exists. But if you could be a little bit more conscious about how this affects me, it would really help. I actually did this recently with the guy I was dating um, the other day, actually. It wasn't a situation about cheating, but there was something that was worrying me. And I just asked him, hey, can I have a little bit more reassurance in this area? And he actually just replied being like, sure thing, I can do that. And it was just really nice moment. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a full-blown conversation to ask for your needs to be met. But I know the guy I'm dating wouldn't want me to worry about something if him just saying a sentence of reassurance here and there would ease my feelings. So that's how you work with both parts. You work on yourself, you improve it from the inside, and as a result, you can ask for help from the people around you so that you're not going it alone. I hope that helps and well done on recognising all of this within you. That's miles ahead in terms of self-awareness and this will be your key to healing it. The thing I am working on at the moment is differentiating between attachment and love. I'm reading a book at the moment that has a chapter on it. It's by Deepak Chopra called The Path to Love. And it talks about how attachment is the exclusive need for one person. You want one specific person, like how a baby attaches to a mother and no other substitute will do. He differentiates between how love makes no demands and attachments is full of demands and expectations. Even in terms of goals, the difference between attachment to a goal and just a goal that you would love. So a goal with attachment is something like, I need to make a thousand pounds this week and I have to have it through writing and I will only accept it through writing. Sounds silly, right? But okay, let's use another example. I want a boyfriend and I have to have a boyfriend this month. I can't go through another month without a boyfriend. Can you sense the attachment, the sense of desperation and how that almost suffocates the goal? That's being attached to something versus going in with, I will have a boyfriend this year. I don't know who he is or how he'll come into my life, but I'm opening my heart to a relationship. It doesn't hold the same energy. So the same happens in all relationships. When you have such a narrow view of how you want your friendship or your family to look, you're actually asking for something that you should be providing yourself. These aren't fully evolved thoughts as this section never is. It's just something that's been on my mind. It's what I've been thinking about. So if you've listened to this section and go, wait, say more. I can't say more because I haven't figured it out yet. 
but if you want to learn about it, Google is actually a great resource. If you type in attachment versus love, it will come up with things. I learned so much from personal development resources online and don't trust it all. But even if you just type it into Spotify and actually just as I'm typing it in, it says um, there's a podcast episode on connection versus attachment coming up as well. And sometimes that's how I self-educate. YouTube is also a great resource. So that's a little tip. I'm still reading the book, so maybe I will talk about it one day. Only maybe, though. Thank you so much for all your questions. This podcast couldn't happen without all your voice notes, and I seriously appreciate anyone who sent me a question my way. If you want more episodes, I need more voice notes. So if you'd like to be part of a future episode and get your questions answered, then email me a voice note with your question at inallhonesty@mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be in the description below if you didn't catch that. In the meantime, get one of my books, The Joy of Being Selfish and Am I Ugly, are in all good bookstores or also just online. Ebook, hardback and audiobook are options for both books. And then Am I Ugly is also in paperback. You can check out my TED Talk online. It's called Have You Hated Your Body Enough Today? Or you can find me online at Scar Not Scared on TikTok, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to speaking to you next Wednesday. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 